You're a swimmer, a cyclist, a runner. You're a triathlete. You're a conqueror of the multi-sport mentality. You seek greatness in your everyday life. But as an age grouper, your forte is the physical fitness that you strive for. Endurance is your middle name. You're listening to the Age Grouper for Life podcast, the ultimate source for living the triathlon lifestyle. Colin and Elliot will discuss the most optimal training techniques to get you where you want to be mentally and physically so you're ready to bring it. You can do it. Ready to bring it? Welcoming your host, Peak Triathlon and USAT certified coaches, Colin Cook and Elliot Kawaoka. What's going on, everybody? This is Colin with. Hey, guys, it's Elliot. And we got a special guest today, uh, hopefully a name that uh, a lot of people are familiar with, but Jared Shoemaker is with us here. So what's going on, Jared? Oh, not much, not much. Happy to be on and uh, have some fun, get some questions and uh, tell you a little bit about my career. And Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So those of you that uh, maybe I guess you'd have to say new to the sport, hopefully, if you're not familiar with Jared, but uh, he is a uh, Olympian in triathlon. Um, great background and had a lot of success and um, retired at this point, right, from the professional perspective, right? I mean, kind of. technically, I still have my yeah. pro card. It lasts the yeah. end of okay. the year. It's always the like, should I jump into like St. Anthony's? I thought about yeah. it. Recently. There you go. Yeah. Should I jump into some IT race? That goes by really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, very cool. So he also he grew up in Massachusetts. I think we're the same age too. Actually, you're going to be the big four row uh, later this year, right? Or next month there, huh? Yeah, I got a month. It's uh, yeah, crazy, crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what to think. Really, I keep saying I'm old, and then people who are older say you're not old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. You're as old as you feel. I don't feel too old there, so I think you're good. <laughs> hey, I just get to run masters now. Like so now, yeah, my goal right. Is- Boston Marathon, I get to be in Masters next year. So I'm actually going to try and run like a 230 because I'm okay. actually motivated to like try and come in top 10 in something again. Very cool. That'd be awesome. Yeah, nice. And so we we got connected through uh, Greg Glenn. Um, so that also means you must know Steve Wood, right? Do you know Steve? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay, we, cool. We played baseball together. Three of us. Played baseball. Yeah. Yep. Nice. So he and I, he and I played uh, high school hockey together. So. Um, oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's a good friend. We're, so. uh, we're baseball together and on the traveling teams together. And yeah, Greg and I usually were in outfield, left field, right field. I was usually left or center. He was usually right field or center field. Steve was usually shortstop. Um, and yeah, so we played together for quite a, quite a few years. And then I know Steve went on to play hockey uh, yeah. professionally. So yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Very cool. Nice. All right. So what you, did you race triathlon like as a kid too, or, um, where, tell us a little bit about your story of how you got into triathlon. I had no clue what triathlon was. Nope. Um, I, I learned what triathlon was from my uncle when I was in high school. He was, uh, he was training for Hawaii and he kind of said, you should do this triathlon thing. You're a good swimmer. Cause I swam in high school uh, and you're a good runner. Cause I, ran in high school and 
And I said, okay, I don't know. I didn't know what it meant, you know? So I, so I always had this in like the back of my mind that maybe I could do triathlon, whatever that was. Um, so yeah, I, I kept it in the back of my mind um, when I went to college and, you know, I biked a little bit. I had a mountain bike and, you know, I wouldn't say I was any good at it or did it at all competitively, but, you know, I'd ride some trails to get to, you know, to get to the local swimming pool and stuff like that. So um, I knew how to ride a bike. Um, yeah, once I got hurt in college, my sophomore year, I bought a bike um, and rode with the cycling team a little bit. And then it kind of got a little bit more in my mind. And then um, before my senior year, I did my first triathlon, Boston triathlon. Right, um, right. And I did really well. I was like one of the fastest swimmers. I got passed by everybody on the bike because they all TT bikes and disc wheels and stuff. And then I outran all the age groupers by like a minute and a half because I was in, you know, senior year of college cross country shape and ran like, you know, 1450 or something. So that was when I said, you know what, I could do this. So, yeah. It was a slow build, but yeah, I had no clue what it was. I when I talk to kids about triathlon, I always tell them now, um, you're starting this way before me. So you know, I didn't know what this was until I was you know a senior in high school, and so you guys have all these experience learning, and so you, you know you're you're a, you're already a couple steps ahead of me for triathlon. No, totally. Yeah, my a uh, couple of my boys did a try, a kids try this past weekend. You know, both. Uh, or yeah, two of my four kids that did their first triathlon at five years old, you know, which, uh, uh, you know, we certainly didn't have the, have, don't have the achievements you do, but, uh, you know, I didn't do my first triathlon until what, 28 years old or 27 years old, something like that. So it's definitely changing, you know, and, uh, obviously the development in the collegiate stuff is pretty exciting and hopefully is, uh, a sign of, you know, some good progress moving forward here. Yeah. I, I think there's always more we can do. Um, and I've, been involved with USA triathlon for a while and um, I'm on the coaches committee right now. So I kind of hear updates about um, the college ranks and, and all that, but, you know, I always feel like there's more that we can do. There's more racing opportunities that should be around for younger athletes, for you know, guys getting into developing ITU stuff or whatever it's called now world triathlon. And that's what I feel. There's always, there's always more racing that could be happening for, for younger people to learn and get better because in Europe, they're light years ahead of where we are, but that's a good point. Well, how about compared? So you're living in Florida now in Claremont where, you know, there's a lot of, of ITU or short or uh, draft legal racing going on and stuff. How is the youth community down there? It's pretty good. Um, we have a couple of local teams that are pretty good. Sarah McClarty, who's, um, one of my good friends since we met in 2004 at uh, under 23 camp. And then I found out that my wife, Alicia, had actually raced her for years as they were coming up through the junior ranks, Canada versus the U.S. So it was really fun, this interconnection. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, Sarah lives down the street from me. And so she has a, a kid's team that she works with. And uh, yeah, it's really cool to see them. I see them out training every once in a while. And I just think it's cool to get out and do a bunch of different sports, you know, I mean, ultimately whatever kids get into is good, but you know, I hate this whole specialization doing one sport. Um, so, so I think triathlon is great. Teach them how to swim and bike and run and do some other stuff. And it, it, it really helps them become better athletes later on in life, whatever they end up specializing in. But, yeah. um, but yeah, yeah, the big problem that I always think with triathlon, um, not, not to go down this path, but, but the, the big problem I always see is you're always limited in youth draft legal races by how many athletes you can have. You, you can't have a start line with 400 kids. You know, it is always going to be capped at, 
70, 80 kids, you know, maybe a hundred if you really want to, but that's, that's a limiter, right? I mean, you know, you just can't put more people onto the start line and then you have to start making two, two waves or, you know, but if they're doing draft legal, it's hard. Right. You know, that's always going to be a problem with triathlon. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good problem if you could sell a race out, but it'd be nice to have like, you know, a thousand kids racing, um, instead of a hundred kids. Yeah. Well, it's certainly not as competitive, but I don't know if you've ever seen the, the triathlon they do at, uh, Mark Walter familiar from Sun Multisports does the, um, the kids try and, uh, at, uh, MIT, um, one yep. of my sons did that one, you know, they get 1200 kids, uh, for that one. It's, it's really, really cool, but you know, not, not at the level, right. You know, obviously not <laughs> draft legal. It's, it's about participation for sure. Like it right. should be at, at any age, pretty much. Oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, but it's, that's by far the most impressive youth event I've seen here. Um, and love to see some more of those happening here, but, uh, that's cool. So nice. So you ended up, how long did you race, uh, or would you, you know, ongoing here, have you raced professionally? Um, I got my pro card in 2004. So, I mean, theoretically, I'm, I'm, I still have it. I mean, I wouldn't really call myself professional anymore because my definition is that is how you make your money. Right. Um, so, you know, that I'd say I kind of finished up in 2019. I raced to Alcatraz and, uh, and said, I'm good. Um, you know, I, I love the draft legal short course stuff. Um, didn't really love the long course. Um, just don't love biking. My body doesn't really love TT position on the bike. It was like a draft legal long course. That'd be fun. Um, but well, maybe, maybe it's coming after the sub seven and sub eight project, <laughs> right? I don't know. I know. I was thinking about how could you, how could you do that even better? How could you, you know, put the guys into a better position on the bike you know maybe if you rode a road bike and to help your legs a little bit more off the run could you stay in a draft you know i mean yeah it's it's definitely opened the, the eyes of the fun stuff that you can do in triathlon it's it's you know and i put it on that side right i put it on the fun fun pushing the limits type of situation versus you know racing racing but yeah. either way it's still fun to watch i enjoyed watching. it was that was uh, a cool experience yeah i was kind of like eh, okay you know blah, blah. but watching it was like damn that was cool you know yep. and and <laughs> very impressive results for sure uh yep. you know, no doubt so and so you ended up did you do a couple halves have you ever done a full yeah i did um oh i don't know how many halves maybe six seven eight maybe more yeah. than that um uh, i think i did four or five Bulls, I did. Oh, did you? Jeez, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, I did yeah. Cozumel twice. I did Boulder twice, or maybe once. I got fourth in Boulder one year. Okay. Um, and then I started Wisconsin and dropped out. Um, and then yeah, maybe that's it for Falls. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and then I did, I did a bunch of a bunch of halves in different yeah. places. So. Yeah. yeah. What do you like more about short course racing versus long course? Um, I feel like you're actually racing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess it's a race, right? You get on the start line and you go, but, but I feel like in short course, there's, you're constantly racing and thinking and strategies, right? Yeah. yeah. Just and go. Whereas long course, it's really about who has the best pacing and nutrition. Yeah. And it's hard to race in that sense, you know? half you can race a bit more an olympic distance non-draft you can definitely race yeah. but once you get to a fall i mean 
you know, if, if you are a smart coach and athlete, you could probably tell your athlete exactly what their time is going to be in an ideal situation on a, you know, good win day on that course. And they should come in within, you know, five or 10 minutes of that. They're not going to go an hour faster, (laughs) you know? So, um, so I, I think for me, it was just about the racing aspect of it. It was just fun to get out there and you could be feeling great. And some other guys are going to have a better day than you. And it is what it is, right. You know, it's like, you know, somebody attacks and you don't make that, make that bridge and that's it. So my wife and I were watching leads, um, from last weekend and we're like, wow, this is so much more interesting to watch than like a 70.3 race or an Ironman. (laughs) So from a spectator standpoint, it's just, sure. Yeah. And we need these 70.3 sessions for like long bike rides and everything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And you know, I, the, the, the whole draft legal side, you know, it really is packaged as a spectator friendly, you know, fast, quick, action pack type of event you know you never like to see anybody crash but that happens um you know stuff happens in the swim um so i think they're fun to watch i I think the problem right now is that they're just not promoted correctly and it's not pushed out correctly and maybe the media coverage around it isn't good but yeah i mean i honestly to be honest i haven't watched leads yet but um but i know it was a cool race and and um, i know some good stuff happened with um, you know, seeing Cassandra come back and, and win a race again, she's had a couple tough years, but you know, for me, I, I still love watching that stuff. I think it's really, really fun and dynamic. Yeah, totally. Um, uh, that's cool. Um, and like, so you spent a good amount of time kind of on the circuit, right. Traveling all over the place and things like that. Like, tell us, tell us more about your experience with that. And like, the good, the bad, the ugly. I'm sure there was a lot of fun stuff. There, I've got to bend some drawbacks to it too, right? It it's crazy. I, I when I was kind of retiring a couple of years ago and saying, looking back, you know, sometimes you look back on your career and you go, you know, there's stuff that I wanted to achieve, like you know, going to the Olympics a couple more times, winning a medal, and then you look back and you say, I made the Olympics. I won a couple of national championships. I won a couple of world championships. I won a World Series race. Like kind of go back and you go you know what I did pretty darn good and and then I think back at like my high school self or my college self and I you know would I have ever imagined that that would have been the path that I would have taken and I would have gone and raced you know in front of the opera house in Sydney in Cape Town you know in front of Buckingham Palace in London uh in China a bunch of times you know Japan right like I kind of step back and and say that was crazy you know, just like that was my life. My life was, you know, training somewhere U.S. or in Europe, you know, getting on a plane, going to a foreign country, being there for a week or four days or whatever, racing and then flying back home, training, you know, and it's it's so normal when you're in it. Right. Because you're kind of see all the same people when you go to these places and then you look back and you go, you know what? of the population has no clue what that experience is like and doesn't even understand it. And, and that makes me realize how special it was to be able to do that and to go train in those places and be able to, to just, you know, train and meet so many different people, see so many different cultures. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, it's just interesting looking back on it, but yeah, I loved going down to Australia and New Zealand and training down there. Um, 
you know, it was, it was so cool to go see, you know, China and Japan and some of the places that we went, you know, you're not in the touristy places, you're in some random city, you know, off the beaten path. And so you see what it really looks like in places. Um, but yeah, the, the hard thing though is consistency, right? Because ultimately to race at that high level, you have to stay healthy, you have to stay consistent. Uh, and that's, that's the hardest thing is to keep doing that year in and year out and adapt to, you know, the, the different way that the sport moved. And during my career, the guys races started out as just good runs. You know, you have to be a good runner and you're pretty much set. And then the Brownlees kind of came in and all of a sudden they were hammering the bike at the beginning. So everybody's swim got better. Then their bike got better. Then their run got better. And then the bike got better again. The swim got better. The run. So it's like you kind of constantly yeah, are trying yeah, to figure yeah. out where to go and how to get better. But um, yeah, it's it's it, it's so interesting um, just looking back on it all. But yeah, I, I loved it. I loved you know being able to travel and race and and see all these different people and meet all these different people and and uh, and you know now I know that I have friends you know from all over the world. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just, I guess, just a different lifestyle that is, uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> not normal. Well, how about like, so, I mean, you're, you were, and when you're doing that, you're racing a lot, right? I mean, you're quite, quite consistently. Like, how was that, like, even mentally, like, you know, especially when you're going up against the best in the world, like, you can have, like you said, the best race of your life and still not win, right? Like, how is that, like, um, you know, for us long course guys, right? And, and especially with families and stuff, you know, you race maybe four or five times a year. Um, and you can kind of put more mentally into those, like, what's it like when you got to turn it on, you know, that often? It's, it's tough to try and peak for the races correctly, because ultimately what happens is, you know, you, you can't peak 10 times a year to race every one of those races. Well, so you see some people who peak early in the year, some people who peak for the championships, some people who are just good at kind of staying level throughout the year. Um, and it's definitely an art and it's very different uh, than, as you said, training for long course or training as an age group athlete. Uh, it's, it's, it's much tougher because you don't have any say on when those races are and what's back to back. So you're kind of going in there and saying, which races should I do to make my schedule better, but not miss any that, that suit me well, or, you know, or are races I need to do from a points perspective. Uh, so it, it, it's, it's really hard. Uh, and then you throw in the added piece of travel and, uh, you know, flying from the U S to Europe, you know, you're pretty much always doing a red eye. And so you say, when do I need to do that for a race? Is that, you know, Wednesday into Thursday, do I cut it closer? And, you know, what does it look like on the other side? What does training look like? Because it's really hard to find a pool in some of these places. Um, they started putting the races in cities. So how does biking work? Um, uh, what's the food like? Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of dynamics that are very different uh, than training and racing in the u.s where you know you just fly from you know from florida up to chicago to race you know chicago try or something and it's like all right well i can order room service at the hilton and you know or <laughs> you know go down the street and eat it right. eat at a nice restaurant that you know i, I know exactly what i'm going to get and i can read the menu um so <laughs> it, it it is it's a lot it, it's a lot of things and and usa triathlon did a good job when i was there really trying to help us prepare so you know we usually have massage therapists with us uh, in early years, they're bringing bike mechanic, uh, chiropractor, doctors. 
So they did a good job of, of trying to make sure that we had everything to be successful um, and, and had support staff around. Um, but yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough to get all those things right and be at you know as close to 100% as you can on race day. Because if you're at 99%, you are not even in the race. You know, you're missing the swim. It's wild. Yeah, cool. And how often would you be with your U.S. teammates, like, or do training with them? Um, I was definitely more of a loner. Um, I kind of had my own training group. Uh, a lot of them trained out of Colorado, right. uh, uh, or kind of in squads overseas. I was basically Massachusetts and, and, uh, and Florida for a lot of it. And then working, then working with Tim Crowley the whole time, right? Yeah. With Tim, yeah. Yeah. Tim, yeah. yeah. Know, Tim. Tim Crowley who was my coach for a while. And then we moved to Florida and he moved down two years later and he lives about, a. uh, it's about two and a half miles away uh, oh, cool. by the bike trail. So, um, yeah, he's yeah, a great so, guy. I've met him a few times. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I still lift with him. So we still lift awesome. with him once a week. And, uh, but, but yeah, it's, it's hard because you have to try and figure out what works best for you. And there are some people who didn't mind that, um, you know, vagabond lifestyle of, you know, being in one place for four weeks, being in another place for four weeks. I really felt like I needed a home and I needed, you know, people to come back to, to have my, you know, my support staff, my kind of happy space. So I was willing to travel a bit more and, and be, you know, that have that be the drawback for, for how I did things. Um, but the good thing was, you know, we were all friends. Uh, so you get together and train together or they'd come to a race that was, you know, in your area and you'd end up training together. So that was a good thing is you know nobody really didn't get along with each other um we all wanted to do well wanted usa to do well so there was definitely a bit of a, a, a team thing even though we knew in the end we were still fighting for individual spots yeah totally very cool nice and to take a, a step back here so you swam as a kid and that's all right i found it interesting so you went to the fen school huh and the prep school and then you went back to to public school for yep. high school huh yeah i um i went to yeah, elementary school and then went to fen school which is a private all boys okay. school from fourth to eighth grade um my dad actually had taught there um, oh, okay gotcha. back, back in the day and like my, my uh my cousins had gone there as well yeah. so there was a connection there um but yeah, I mean, it was, it was really good for me, both academically and sport, um, because, you know, from an academic perspective, I think it really helped me get, get on with, you know, what I needed to do to be successful. And so I loved it. Um, you know, I know that, you know, maybe all boys or private school doesn't work out for everybody, but, but for me, it was great. Um, and, uh, and then from a sport perspective, they kind of, when you're in fourth grade there, you are exposed to all the sports that they do. Yeah. Uh, and so then you kind of pick a sport once you get up into, um, sixth or seventh grade and you kind of have to, everybody has to play a sport. It doesn't matter how good or how right. bad you are. Everybody's playing a sport, yeah. um, which I thought was cool. You know, it's, it's, it was great to see the kids who, you know, honestly weren't that good, still have to be a team and have camaraderie. So, right. you know, it was, it, I thought that piece of it was really good, but that's really, honestly, that's where I fell in love and started learning about running. Um, was cross country there and I had no clue how good I was going to be but you know we went out and went the first race that we did you know I started and I think I was like fourth as a seventh okay. grade um, on our team you know seventh eighth and ninth graders and I was like fourth and I said oh I guess I'm pretty good at this so that's where I kind of learned a little bit about running and, and that I could be good at that sport 
Uh, but at that point, my mind was still on baseball, I was a baseball player, and that's what I wanted to do. So um, it put the running bug in, in my head, and, and I expanded, I guess, a little bit on that. And, hey, I wrestled for a year. Uh, uh, I played lacrosse one year, too. So, nice. yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I did try some other sports. And I won't say that I loved wrestling. I, I, I like watching wrestling. I don't think I'd ever I'd want to wrestle again. And I skipped out of that at Spartan Games uh, two years ago because all the guys were, you know, 75 to 100 pounds bigger than me i really didn't want to get in a half um but yeah i, lo- I love lacrosse so i really enjoy that and uh, yeah yeah the one regret is i never played competitive ice hockey i love love hockey and i never never played right. it nice skated on my pond in my backyard um as a kid so i can skate pretty good but never actually played it so very cool well yeah. i always <laughs> dreamed of having a batting cage in my backyard because i <laughs> i was a huge baseball just i mean we, i played through co- or through high school yeah but finally got my dream in and installed a backyard batting cage so if you're oh, ever wow. in seattle you can come visit <laughs> yeah we so i i lived on five acres growing up and so we actually had a little baseball field in the backyard and so if you hit it far enough it would go into the pond so that was kind of like home run so home run. It would teach me batting practice my brother and i would play against each other and, and hit and run and chase the ball so yeah <laughs> nice yeah. Yeah. I went to Lawrence Academy. So there was certainly, uh, probably actually some of the kids you must've been that you went to school with, uh, yep. came to Lawrence and, uh, I just, you don't hear very often of people, once they go to FEM, they usually go to a private school for high school, right? Yeah. Nope. Nope. Went to LS, like yeah. Sudbury High School and loved it there. Great, great school, great academically, good sports teams there. And, and, uh, yeah, had, had a good time in high school and, um, yeah, that, that that's, you know, that's where I swam and ran and played baseball and then switched to track. Um, my yeah. junior, junior. Okay. And did you swim in college too? Like, or just, uh, for like, a, you went to Dartmouth, right? Yep. So yeah, I went to Dartmouth. I ran, uh, ran there all three seasons. Um, there were yep. times when I was a little bit frustrated with running or got injured. And I thought about, you know, going and swimming. Um, I lifeguarded while I was there the last two years. So I was, I was getting back in the pool. Because I realized for me as an athlete, I am definitely not a quantity athlete. I'm a, a quality athlete. So um, my high school, I ran like 30 miles a week. And uh, and then when I got into college, you know, of course, there are people running a lot more. And so I immediately was up to like 70, 75. And, and I did great my first year. I was on varsity and, and I was, I think I was fourth. Yeah, I was fourth guy on the team uh, in college. And, um, and I went a couple of weeks in a row and tried to run like 85, 90 miles. And my body just said, Nope, you're done. And I, we went to pre-nats. I remember it vividly and I couldn't even run. Like my body was just so tired. I couldn't even run. So I learned pretty quickly where my limit was. And so my limit on the, on the running side was like 70 or 75 miles a week. But then I sprinkled that in with, uh, with some swimming. So I'd swim twice a week. Uh, I'd bike either on a trainer or, um, or, uh, outside, um, a couple times a week and just, you know, just easy spins, right. Endurance and recovery. Um, and then actually once I got in my senior year, I dropped my mileage down even more, um, for indoor and outdoor track. And it was down to like 50, 55 miles a week. And that's when I actually ran, um, eight. 808 for 3k and 1409 for 5k so 
you know, my, I realized even more than that my body was, you know, if I do hard work, recover and hard work, I'm going to be better off. So I started running with the women's team a bit. And, you know, instead of going with the guys team and they would start pushing things. And I just said, you know what, I'm going to go run with the women's team and they're going to go slower and it's going to be fine. And, and it was great. I mean, it worked out really well for me um, to, to kind yeah. of real that, realize that that, and, and I took that into triathlon. So, you know, I think sometimes people find their limit when they're training for triathlons, because you can do so much, you know, you can train 30, 40 hours a week if you really want to, but you know, does it really make sense to do that? No. Um, so I kind of knew where my limit was. So I was able to go into it and say, I've tried this before. I've tried pushing the edge. And, um, and so I never really got to that point in triathlon, except maybe once or twice where I had a new coach and they pushed me a little bit harder and it kind of blew up. So, yeah. So yeah, your, tri- totally. your, your philosophy is all in as a triathlon coach now, is your philosophy quality over quantity? Yeah. For almost everybody. Yeah. There are some people that I've coached who are quantity athletes, but to be honest, I've found those athletes are few and far between. And I think it depends as well. Like there might be some age groupers who are quantity athletes, but in reality, it's really hard to train them as quantity athletes because they don't have the time to do it. Exactly. So, you know, you have, you have to fit yeah. things into their schedule. Right. Um, you know, even on the pro side, you know, I, I, Sam Long is the perfect example of somebody who needs quantity. Right. And, yeah. and I know him from training in Boulder when he was a you know young 19 year old kid and he was training a bit and he was okay, you know, and he kind of kept wanting to do more and he was always held back and held back. And, and then once he started doing more, I, I talked to him a little bit as he was like, I'm going to swim like, you know, 30, 40,000 a week swimming. I'm like, I don't even swim that much, but watching him and how he's done, that's what works okay, for him. Right? Totally. You know, I know other Ironman athletes who don't come anywhere near that. You know, they're, they're training at max 30 hours a week, putting in high, high quality work long rides still but they're still focusing on the intensity because their body breaks down if they go way 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 too long so yeah it's but yeah it's, and it's it's tough seeing that stuff on like i mean i i watched that stuff on youtube or sam long's latest session where he's like gonna ride 112 miles and followed up with the 18 mile run at all at iron man pace i'm like i, I don't know just kind of makes me like oh maybe i'm not doing enough so i think it just like rubs people in the wrong way sometimes it's like wow you have to put in that kind of volume to do what he does <laughs> yeah and and it's true i agree with that i think it questions some of the other pros sometimes as well it's yeah, the, sure. not doing everything but it is so individualized and that's why having a good coach does it and you know even even looking at the norwegians right i mean you know i came up through the ITU side and I, I know how a lot of people were training. I've trained with a bunch of really good coaches, trained with Joel Filiol for a while and know how those programs work. And they're honestly not that different. The, the difference with the Norwegian program is really just the fact that they are not getting over that edge. They are measuring where that edge is. So they aren't letting you go above that edge. And that's where people get in trouble is once you go into that gray area, that's where you start to get injured. You start to overtrain then your heart can't be super hard. Um, and that's, that's where most age groupers end up. I mean, yeah. to be honest, they end up going out for a ride with their friends on the weekend and pushing too much. And then they can't go hard in their hard workout on, you know, a Tuesday. Um, and, and then, then 
I ask the question, I say, what do you want to do? Because if you want to go do that ride on the weekend, that's cool. There's no problem with that. But you have to realize it's going to take away a little bit on the other side. So it really depends on what people want to achieve in the end, right? And so as a as a pro, you know, when I'm going out to do those rides, I knew this is what I was trying to achieve. So I didn't care if some dude flew by me on the trail. Like we would laugh when people would like fly by us on the trail. We're on an easy ride. I'm, I'm riding like 80 walks. And, you know, I like, actually, it's funny, Neil Henderson, who coached me for a couple of years, he, I did a ride one time, it was like 60 minutes. And I think my TSS was nine. And he said, I didn't even know that it was actually possible if for the math that well. yeah. go that easy and still have your TSS like at nine and do an hour ride. So, uh, you know, but that's the thing. And that ride was an easy ride. It was supposed to be spinning my legs out. My heart rate probably didn't get over like 85. And, you know, my wattage was probably between like, you know, 60 and 90 the whole time. And, you know, but that was the point, right? The point wasn't to go hard. The point was to go easy. And I think a lot of people miss that piece of training where, you know, what's the actual goal of the workout? Absolutely. Yeah, totally. That's good. So, so now, you know, what, what is your kind of focus, uh, with your, you know, career these days? Uh, yeah, I, so my, my main job now is financial advisor. So I moved into that, um, in 2019, I started taking the tests and, and, uh, doing that. My dad and uncles are financial advisors as well. So okay. it's something that I thought, you know, maybe I'd go into, um, but the funny thing is it's all kind of the same to me because I love coaching and helping people and putting together puzzles and strategies. So it, to me, it's all the same. The only difference is it's money. Uh, so, you know, so for me, that's, that's what I've been doing, um, doing that. And that's been really busy over the past couple of years. Um, I got hired in to help take over a practice. So meeting new clients and, um, and, you know, getting to know, know these people has been a lot of fun and, and tough at the same time. And, um, and then working with some younger clients who are closer to my age, which is a lot of fun as well, because it's kind of putting that puzzle together for later. So doing that. And then I still coach, um, I think 10 athletes now. Uh, and, and I just love that, you know, it's, it's fun. I enjoy looking over programs and writing things and communicating with them. And, um, and so at some point that'll probably, probably end. Um, uh, but I, I love it. That's kind of my passion is to, to help people out with that and, and, you know, and help them kind of achieve their goals. Yeah. And is that, is that more younger, like short course people or is it a rain or whatever? Um, I, for a while actually tried to do a little bit of a, a squad with some oh, yeah. young ITU athletes, um, that presented its own problems. Not that there aren't enough athletes that want to do it, but the problem comes down more to the fact that it's really expensive. And so, you know, I tried to do it down here in Florida and, but the, but with them needing to cover costs of housing, food you know, I have to get paid something, uh, right. you know, full fees, traveling to races, right? And these are kids who are just out of college. So how do you balance all that out? And, and that's what makes it tough, right? So I ended up trying to help them find some jobs, trying to help them find housing. And, and it, it, it was a lot to try and do all of that in addition to coaching them. Um, and so, so yeah, so kind of, you know, I still ended up coaching a couple of them for another year or two. Uh, but you know, to me, that's the problem, right? I, I wish that there were more of those groups around, but they have to be sustainable in order right. to, to make them work. 
Um, so right now it's mostly, I'd say, you know, higher, higher end age groupers, uh, who are, you know, trying to, trying to achieve, you know, achieve, you know, qualifying for worlds or, um, you know, doing well in races. And so that's kind of what I enjoy doing. I enjoy pushing people hard and trying to help them get to their limits, um, versus the beginner side of the sport, which, you know, that's just me. There are other people that love working with beginners. So I think as a coach, you kind of have to figure out the type of athlete you want to work with. And, and that's a good thing, right? Because, you know, I know I'm better at coaching that athlete who is trying to, you know, do max intervals and try and win races versus somebody who's trying to understand and learn the sport. I'm just not really a handholder. <laughs> I'll, I'll give them the program. I'll tell them this is what you need to do to be good. Uh, but you're not going to get, you know, motivation. Oh, you didn't show up for a workout. That's not me. It's you're, you're accountable for yourself. I like I'm that. I'm with you, man. Totally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, but I mean, you make a good point. I'm not surprised, you know, with the squad stuff, right. It's such a challenge and like, even, you know, not to get into your financials, but I'm sure you're making a hell of a lot more as a financial advisor than you were, you know, trying to grind it out, you know, with something super, you know, cool and uh, would love to see more of it, but that's just the, yeah. the reality of it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, sometimes you don't want that to be the, the deciding factor, you know, how am I going to make more money? But, you know, for me, honestly, it came down to what is, what is the long-term thing that I really want to be involved in and what's going to, you know, work best for me long-term. And so that was kind of financial advising, coach a couple athletes, but then give back to the sport in, in a couple of ways. And so that's, you know, continuing to do some stuff with USAT, with committees. I was actually just on a, um, on a committee, a US OPC committee, so the Olympic and Paralympic Committee. Um, we, we had a task force to talk about international relations, setting up events in the U S. Um, and so there were about, I'd say 30 or 40 people total from across all the sports. And, um, so I worked with, I worked on the, um, event side. So how do we attract more events to the U S what's a playbook that we can put together? How can we make this work for all the, uh, national federations and stuff? So that's the type of stuff that I, I enjoy helping with and, and trying to figure out, um, you know, how can we grow sport and especially the Olympic sport uh, in the U S because there's a lot of cool sports that people just don't know about and don't see that they only see it every four years at the Olympics. Exactly. Yeah. Getting the actual exposure to it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Everybody so, wants to, everyone wants to curl and do biathlon after the Olympics. You know what I mean? Like and literally <laughs> and swimming, right? Like swimming disappears for four years. And they, yeah. They're the big star at the Olympics. And then, you know, swimming, I don't, I, I flip it on every once in a while. There's some, you know, tier pro series meets and it's like, oh, that's cool. But I don't know who these people are, you know, and then right. biathlon, same thing. Like I, I watched biathlon like nonstop at the, at the last Olympics, but I don't ever see it anywhere else on TV. Right? right. So I think, I think those are the interesting things that, you know, it'd be cool if, if some of those athletes became more household names in the U S consistently over time, because they're great people and they work, you know, just as hard as the athletes right. that get paid the big bucks in the pro sports, but they just don't have the platform except for every couple of years. Right. Right. Well, that's a good segue. I did want to ask you about, uh, um, the, uh, super league. What, uh, what are your thoughts on that? I, I love different. I don't know what the right word is different models of triathlon. Um, and actually back in, I'd have to look up the year 2012, 13 or something. We actually did a couple of 
you know, super sprint races. Uh, we did one out in Oceanside. We did a couple in Las Vegas. Uh, I loved them. Uh, I thought they're so much fun. They're dynamic. They're fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, I, so I, I've watched Super League since the start. Um, and I think, you know, MACA has that going in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it's interesting because I think it's pushed the, the keep saying ITU. I just keep saying ITU. Um, but we know what you mean. It's pushed them into trying to figure out different channels for their races. And, and I think it's actually hurt the ITU because they, they don't know what they are anymore. You know, is it Olympic distance? Is it sprint distance? Is it super sprint? Is it mixed team relay? Is it, you know, a trials finals type setup? Um, is it two day events? Yeah. Right. So, so I think Super League has pushed the envelope on that. Um, and I think that's a good thing. The problem that I always come back to is there's like 20 athletes that do it. So is that really a long-term sustainable model for triathlon? Because there's only 20 athletes that are on the start line. And even if you go to a track meet, you know, and all the, all the races that you have, there's more than 20 athletes. You go to a swim meet, there's more than 20 athletes. So that becomes the problem. If we start funneling everything into like the top tier athletes in triathlon, you end up losing a lot of the people who eventually could get up there. Right. Uh, so I, yeah, I don't know what the answer is in the long run. Um, but right now there's a lot of opportunities and hopefully some stuff, you know, sticks, right. You throw the, throw the spaghetti against the wall and hope some of it sticks. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, I think their exposure to and like even what they're doing with like, you know, you can get the any of the races on YouTube, but then like just doing the highlights and things like that. I think they've taken it kind of from a professional perspective up a little bit. Right. Which, you know, is what yeah. the sport needs to think, you know. And and one of the things that I've said for years and years and years about triathlon um, when they were trying to figure out how to do races way back when um, I kind of said there, when you look at a smaller sport, there's two models of how do you make a sport cool or how do you get it out to a mass audience? The first model is you put it on somewhere where people are already there, right? So put it on somewhere where there's already people and they have to watch it. They're basically forced to watch it. And whatever that is, you know, on July 4th weekend in New York City, you know, <laughs> go to Coney Island and put it on in front of the hot dog place, right? There's already a people there, um, you know. So that's one one side. The other side is you have to do it digitally and video and you have to record it uh, because then it lives forever. And that is, I think, the better model because then it can get out. Uh, and especially now, you know, over the past 10 years, video and, and all the platforms that we now have are just so much more robust than they were back then. Um, but I think you know, that's, that's where sport has to live so that, you know, Elliot, as you said, you hop on a trainer ride and you can watch one. Right. So it's that digestible, Hey, I've got a two hour trainer ride. I'm going to go watch, you know, this triathlon or that triathlon. Um, and you know, I, I've worked with the people at clash and my wife works for them now. So I know, oh, that, cool. I know that that's where, that's the direction they see the sport going into is this, is the digital side. That's why they've tried to do the TV really well. That's why they've tried to, you know, really focus on getting the media content out because it, nobody knows a race happens if you just post results now and who cares and what does that get the sponsors? What does that get the athletes? Pretty much nothing. So you have to invest in the digital content side of things. And that's what super league has done a good job of as well. Well said. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's cool. Nice. All right, cool. So that's right. You ran uh, Boston this year, 
right? So you're still running. You did just make a reference there to uh, maybe really rocking it next year, huh? Yeah, yeah. I, um, I've i done technically five Bostons in a row now, even though okay. one of them one of them was virtually yeah. here at Waterfront Park in Florida, back and forth. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's fun. I mean, you know, growing up there, that my, my mom's run, I think, her 30th or 31st in a row this past year. Wow. My brother actually ran, I think, I can't remember his time probably 2.30 or maybe just under 2.30. So he's, you know, he's still training and in good shape. I kind of showed up and was, I was like, uh, if I, if everything goes well, maybe I could run a 2.45, but I haven't put the work in really. So yeah, I've been doing that. And then uh, really gotten into adventure racing um, as well over the past couple of years, which I, I, I just love it. I think it's fun because it's very mental. There's a huge physical side of it, but it's very mental. So you go out and do a 24 hour race. And of course it's physical. You're basically moving for 24 hours straight, but the mental side is, you know, staying on the maps, you know, trying to not fall asleep and all that stuff. And then you get into the expedition races, three plus days. And, um, and those, those just become this never ending thing. And it's, it's just a weird and fun and, and I don't even know how to explain it at the same yeah. time. So, until you do one, you, you know, it's, it's something that you, nobody's ever experienced, but, um, I, I love it. Um, and I think it's a lot of fun. And, and then I got, I signed up for, uh, a race this August called one water race, um, which is uh 250 K Stockholm archipelago from the top to the bottom swim run. So, uh, we're oh, basically, okay. basically swim running the whole way. And it's, we think it's going to take us two days. That's for math. Uh, so, but you don't know, I mean, if it's cold weather and the water's cold, it's going to be worse. Um, so yeah, so me and Sarah is, uh, racing that with me and then our oh, other nice. friend Misty and, um, yeah, we're, we're trying to figure that one out. That's, that's going to be a whole different dynamic of figuring out how do you eat? How do you, you know, do you sleep? Do you try and take a half an hour nap? Do you, yeah. So that's where I've kind of gone towards are these races where it's not necessarily about how fast you can go, but it's about figuring out the mental and the physical aspect at the same time and how they intersect. Because, you know, I've seen people go out so hard in some of these adventure races and then you pass them, you know, six hours later in the woods and they're walking and, and, you know, they haven't eaten any food. Right. And then the teams that just slow as a turtle along the whole way, they end up passing teams at the yeah. end um, because they've just been smarter about, expending their energy right yeah i think they've had a couple of those on um on amazon right I, I think i've watched one of the series i think one of the bg ones or something like that that was really yep. cool to watch and uh yep that's cool i didn't realize you were doing that that's awesome yep yeah i got a, i got a four hour one coming up this weekend with with my friend that'll be a sprint i'm gonna see how fast i can run <laughs> there you but go. Yeah. yeah yeah there's one that goes across florida that i've done the past two years um, and it's three days across Florida. Um, and last this past year, February, um, it was, we finished in like 70 hours and I slept for 35 minutes during that time. So it was, wow. it was, it was tough. It was, uh, it was fun. By the end, my ears were ringing a little bit. Everything's kind of like in this weird surreal thing. I don't see hallucinations. Other people start like actually seeing things. Uh, you always see things in the woods. You see like a house or a bear or you know a lion. Like you see all this weird stuff. Like trees look like dinosaurs. Every once in a while, you freak yourself out. Um, so <laughs> yeah, quite fun. That is cool. 
Nice, nice. All right. Ellie, you got any last questions, Sam? Yeah, so how important do you think starting early is? Like, so you started swimming and running pretty early on in life. And what kind of advice would you give someone who has hopefuls of making the Olympic team or becoming, I don't know, placing really high up in a world championship race who starts a little later? I mean, how can they play catch up, especially with the swim? I mean, it just seems very hard to get to that level when you start later on in life. I agree with you 100% on the swim. I think if you don't have some sort of a background in swimming, and it doesn't have to be like crazy competitive or crazy good, it's hard to get the biomechanics down and those those things that you just learn about body feel on the water as a kid. So yeah. I wasn't an amazing swimmer in high school. Like I was pretty good. Like, you know, our team did well. We won a state championship. I was on one of the relays. I think I finished like eighth in state in the backstroke. You know, so I wasn't like winning and swimming, you know, like, you know, 50 second, 100 freestylers or, or like, you know, a 450, 500. Um, I think I was like 520 or something for the 500. So, I mean, Terrible. I probably swim that faster now having, you know, swimming two days a week than when I was in high school. So I think you can get better and progress. But in my mind, swimming comes down to form and technique and feel. And I see a lot of people not focusing on that um and honestly people don't focus on the swim because it's the most annoying thing to focus on but i think it's the thing that is the most overlooked and the easiest fix to make people faster because the more efficient you get in the water the less energy you spend which then makes you be able to bike faster right because you're fresher getting onto the bike which theoretically should then make you run faster because you're kind of ahead of your you know calorie expenditure or body you know body body you know mental expenditure not fighting yourself in the swim so i've always argued that people should really try and spend time learning to swim so that's that's one piece of your question um the other thing really is i don't know that people need to do triathlon growing up um and i i, I think if you look at a lot of our good olympic athletes very few people have really, really done triathlon growing up, right? Like, you know, Gwen swam and ran. Um, I swam and ran. Um, you look at, you know, somebody like uh, Matt Charbot, he, he did some triathlon stuff, but he was more of a, a swimmer in college and did some biking. Um, you know, Hunter obviously came from a triathlon background. Um, Andy Potts came from swimming background, but he also ran at Michigan. Um, Laura, same thing. She came from a running background. Her family obviously does, does triathlon, but or swimming background, sorry. She came from swimming background, but her family, you know, is really big in triathlon. Um, you know, and you look at a lot of the people who have been good over the past couple of years, you know, Kristen Casper, actually, I coached high school swimming in Massachusetts and watched her swim. And said, wait, she's the same girl who's really good at running as swimming and she's winning states, you know, beating up on some of the girls that I'm coaching. And I, I emailed our USA triathlon person. I said, just put this name down on a list wherever you file your list down. Um, so, you know, but for her, she swam and ran. She didn't really do triathlon. Uh, Katie, you know, she she ran. So I you know, going through that long list is to say that I don't know that you necessarily need to be good at triathlon younger. 
but you have to have experience with those sports. So that goes back to me for those athletes who are well-rounded, who are, you know, who take the time to learn a bunch of different sports, end up being the ones who become better at just overall athletics. And then, you know, you look at long course, right. And, you know, Heather Jackson, you know, played, played ice hockey and, um, and I know Siri Lindley played field hockey and, you know, I mean, there's, you can go down the list of all these things that all these people did sport wise, but basically it shows you that if you're a good athlete, you can continue to become a good athlete, even in another sport, you just might actually not be in the sport that you're best at, but you're just really, really good at that sport too. Right No, exactly. Very well said. Definitely agree there. So cool. All who's right. your favorite, uh, who's your favorite current pro male and female triathlete right now? Oh no. Um, I, to be honest, Christian is my favorite male right now. Um, he's, he's so good. So talented. He's also just the nicest guy ever. Um, so I, I really, really like him. Um, uh, man, I mean, Flora is a good friend of mine because I trained with her for a while. So I really, and I love, I love watching the way she, way she races because it's so gutsy. Um, so I mean, maybe I have to go with Flora, but, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I think there's a lot of turnover and there's a lot of change coming in triathlon. There's a lot of younger kids that are going to start, you know, coming through in the next year or two as, uh, as we get towards Paris 2024. Um, and I think you're going to see some, some people that tried to hold on, you know, they tried to hold on because the Olympics were pushed another year and you're going to see this fight between the people that were here in 2021 and these kids coming up. I think it's going to be really interesting um, to, to watch who, who makes that jump and who kind of gets left behind just because they're a bit older now into their thirties. Yeah. And you're still the only American who's won a WTS race. I am. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe someday one of the guys will change it. Matt, Matt came really close and uh, Morgan came really close. Um, You know, I, I, someday I'll, it'll be nice to have another, uh, another person on that list with me, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's also been a while since, you know, we've really had somebody up there for any sort of world championship either. Like, you know, I mean, when I won under 23s and duathlons, never triathlon, but, you know, it's been a while since we've had people, you know, winning world championship level races. Um, you know, I think we're going to continue to do well at the mixed team relay just because we have the depth as a country. Um, but yeah, as individuals, um, it'd be cool to see somebody back up there on the guy side and hopefully Morgan or Matt will make that breakthrough in the next year or two, or who knows, it might be somebody else that, that you guys don't even know about yet, but <laughs> right. It's in the development. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Very cool. Awesome, man. Well, uh, we really appreciate your time. That was great. Um, any, uh, closing words here for us or anybody listening? Nope. Nope. My, my only, I, my only big closing words, I guess, are, uh, just, just have fun, you know, make sure that when you're out there doing your training, doing your racing, it's, it's about fun and, you know, pushing the boundaries of yourself. So, um, you know, do triathlons, jump into other things, cyclocross races, swim meets, yeah. uh, adventure races, you know, it's, it's really about pushing yourself. And I think sometimes as triathletes, you know, we forget that, you know, we're so focused on the swim bike run and following this course and, that we forget that there's a lot of fun that you can have because you're in such good shape. 
So that's that's my only advice. Just just enjoy it. Don't let everything pass you by. Just saying, I have to focus on this race at the end of the year. <laughs> no, that's a great great way to finish things off. Great advice there, absolutely. So uh, right on, man. Well, thanks again for being on. We really appreciate it, and uh, best of luck with everything moving forward here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Jared.